This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 139 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Tony Leland and the Clown. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our title sponsor is Omega Alpha. You can find them at omegaalpha.ca. This episode is also sponsored by Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com. Plus, Uncle Jimmy's. And you can find them at uncle-jimmy's.com. This is Glenn the Geek. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, I have my lovely wife Jennifer here with me today. Uh, Helena is off this week. She'll be back again next week. And we have some neat guests. Well, we have a lot of fun coming up for you today. When is it not fun? That's true. Stable Scoop is always fun. That's our job, is to make it fun. It's like adding salt to food. If you add salt to food, you know it's salty. If you add Glenn to a show, you know it's it's salty. It's fun. Oh, okay. (laughs) Gee, Willikers. (laughs) Well, and uh, Helena, as I said, we'll be back again next week. If you missed Tack and Habit this week, head on over there. You can hear a little bit of Helena. We did put out a show this week at tackandhabit.com. Uh, but today we have something special for you. We're going to be clowning around a bit today. Uh, we had something that happened on the morning show over at horsesinthemorning.com, which, of course, Jennifer and I are part of, and Jamie Jennings. We had one of the funniest segments that's probably ever happened on the Horse Radio Network, let alone, let alone just the Horses in the Morning show. And we were dying laughing, and I know you were too. I had myself on mute. <laughs> it was... We had a guest on, and his name is Rockin' Robbie, and Robbie Ro- Rockin' Robbie Hodgins, and he is um, com- he was a clown that's coming in for a rodeo that we're attending tonight here in Lexington, and he was on to advertise the rodeo, and he was one of the funniest guests we've ever had on, and uh, we're gonna replay. If you listen to the morning show and the show, this is gonna be a little. That interview will be a little bit of a repeat for you. Uh, but you're going to want to listen to it again anyway. It was so funny. So we'll have that for you a little later in the show. But first, we have a guest coming up, uh, a guest that is a writer. And she, you know, we love highlighting the writers and the novelists who are into horses and who write about horses. And I just came across this lady not too long ago. Her name is Tony Leyland, or Leyland. And uh, she is a writer that writes about horse. She writes basically novels about horse, uh, horses and women and, and women and horses. Well, she writes fiction. Right. Which is a little different than she's not writing books about training or no. health care. She writes good fun, sit down and um, close, the, close the door so nobody bothers you. You can spend the whole afternoon in a bubble bath reading a book, kind of a book. Yeah. And and she's written a number of them, and, and I think a lot of our audience probably has never heard of her or her books, so we thought we would highlight uh, her today, and we're going to do that right after this word from Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha Pharmaceuticals creates only natural health products. Their scientists, guided by Dr. Gordon Chang, formulate a wide variety of mainly herbal health products to address many equine health problems. And one of their users is international Canadian sensation event rider Jessica Phoenix. And we have Jessica on here for a second to tell us what she thinks about Omega Alpha. Well, hi, Jess. I hear that you use Omega Alpha. 
I do. I love their products. I've started using them this year, um, and the one product that I really love is Anti-Flam. It just takes the sting out of the horse's feet and keeps them moving comfortably. Um, and I know that from using it in our barn, a lot of horses have benefited from it. You can look for their products at retailers nationwide or visit their website at omegaalpha.ca. That's omegaalpha.ca. And we're back. Uh, thank you to Omega Alpha for their continued support of the Stable Scoop Radio Thanks, Show. Thanks, Dr. Chang. <laughs> and of course, if you missed Dr. Chang in last week's episode, you can take a listen to that as well. Well, w- Tony Leland is a freelance writer, a professional photographer, and a published novelist in Southeast Ohio. Uh, she writes for many national and regional publications, including Grip Magazine, Country Living, Over the Back Fence, and on and on and on. She also has a fun little blog we're going to talk to her about today, and she's written a number of these books that involve horses, and we're going to ask her about that, and hopefully some of you can pick one up and, and give it a try. So let's get right to our interview with Tony. Well, hi, Tony, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. We're glad to have you on. Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you know, it's fun. I came across you, uh, you know, as I said earlier in the show, I came across you uh, about a week ago, and I just stumbled across your books. I don't know where I was. Either it was on Amazon. I was just looking around, and I said, you know, one of our goals here at the Horse Radio Network is to highlight people like yourself who are out there representing the horse world in books and, and things like that, who yet the horse people might not have heard of. Um, so that's why I wanted to have you on was to really have you talk about your connection with the horse world and, and all these books you've written that probably a lot of horse people haven't heard of yet. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And I do have connections going way back. Um, I was one of those horse crazy little girls that spent all my time wishing for a horse and didn't ever get it (laughs) until I was old enough that I was then interested in boys. So um, I have always adored horses, and I raised uh, horses in the 80s, finally got my fix 100%, and um, I also started writing um, about horses about the same time. I had been writing ever since I was a kid, but not necessarily anything that was readable. And uh, so I have a good background in horses, and I like to research, and I love learning new things about them. I love the horse community, uh, and that's really how I got started. You actually uh, got started uh, also in an area of the country where my family was from, and you were in East Lyme, Connecticut, and, and uh, my family all came from the uh, Jut City Groton area uh, up That's near the brilliant. casinos. Yeah, so, uh, and you started with Arabs, huh? Arabs and Morgans. And were you, interesting combination, but uh, that's that's what we did. Were you riding or driving or? Well, um, I was riding, but not, you know, not showing, um, mostly just taking care of them and, and raising them. And my daughter did all the showing, and we had some trainers who showed our horses. Oh, so you had to do all the grunt work. You had the hard job. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, back in those days, I could carry an eight-pound bucket of water in each hand and run across a pasture. Right. <laughs> that was those days. <laughs> We're kind of feeling those days too, to be honest with you. 
I don't miss breaking the ice on the ice buckets, though, believe me. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, this year there was a lot of ice breaking, too. It was one of oh, those I years. <laughs> well, my children all still live out in, in Connecticut, and I... <laughs> we Skype every other day, and I got to see the snow through their eyes. <laughs> well, you That's do... a better way to see it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> now, you do so many different things. You, uh, you write for so many different places, and you write your books, but you, you also write for publications like Country Living and, uh, and several others. You, but you have a, your, your subtitle for your website is Women's Fiction with a Kick. Uh, what is women's <laughs> fiction? What, what, how would you define women's fiction? Women's fiction is just simply stories for women about women. Most men aren't interested in reading them, although I have veered off of that with a couple of my books and have had men who've really enjoyed them. They were just much grittier than... Uh, than some of the others, but uh, women's fiction just appeals to women. That's really all that term means, and it almost always is about strong women dealing with life. Well, and, so, you, and know. you know, as a horse husbands, we—that's who we married. <laughs> so. I know. I love that term, America's horse husband. <laughs> well, and you're 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 talking to America's horse wife, apparently too, on the phone here right now. So now, which ones would you say you have a number of books? Uh, uh, what was the first one that you wrote that had to do with horses? The very first one was Winning Ways, and it. It was, and and I will tell you right now, I, you're probably going to ask me this anyway, but I get my ideas for these stories from things that actually happen. And if they're important enough, they eat at me until I have to do something about it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the first book, Winning Ways, was about uh, the Arabian horse industry in the 80s when it was at its peak and anything went and some of the stuff that went on was really, really bad. The horses were extravag- extravagantly expensive. Uh, people just, uh, you know, it's not that way anymore, but there was a period there that was, well, it was just very daunting, and unfortunately I was right in the middle of it trying to, thinking, well, you know, uh, my horses are not doing well, why is that? And they weren't doing badly, but... You could not compete with some of the trainers on the farms who just had incredible amounts of money to make things happen. And so when I eventually wrote Winning Ways, it was about a young woman who gets tangled up in that same scenario. And she has such a good horse that somebody sets out to keep her from winning. And that's, you know, that, like I say, that's how I started. So it's semi-biography, actually, huh? Well, not really. I mean, it wasn't me because this is, it really wasn't me, but it was something that I had viewed and, and I knew was was the way it was. And it's funny when the book came out and my readers discovered it, the comments were always, oh boy, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and I actually um, took that book and the second book down to Kentucky. Um, it was in both the airport bookstores and I did several signings down at the horse park, and it was really fun because I made a connection with people who remembered 
you know, just how ridiculous it was. That it, it, and, you know, then it swung back the other way and you couldn't give them away. And then it is now a very healthy uh, segment of the industry. <laughs> we had a but, uh, we had a friend who uh, who we we had an acting company back then, and and uh, we worked with her for about a year. She was a, a act actress, and also owned Arabians back in the eighties, and it was late eighties at that time. She was like twenty one years old, and she was worth a fortune. And her horses were selling for these incredible amounts of money, and we just were in disbelief. I know. I was at a I was at a Scottsdale show during I think toward the end of maybe it was eighty eight or eighty nine, and there was a, a stallion that was everyone said well he's going to take you know the stat he's gonna he's gonna be the one that just takes everything and <clears throat> and uh, there was a trainer who wanted him and and he took the owner aside and he said I will offer you three hundred thousand dollars for this horse right now if you will. If I can have him before you go into that class, after he goes in the class, the deal's off the table, you know. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff that always that, that just went on. And I mean, the horse. I don't remember now whether the deal was made or whether the owner said, "No, no, no, I'm not doing that." Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't remember if the horse won, but it was that kind of thing that just, I mean, that undercurrent that went through the barns and through the grandstands, you knew that stuff was going on. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And it was very exciting, but it was also very frustrating if you were trying to be part of it. Um, I wasn't at that point, but um, I know people who were, and they just said, oh, this is just ridiculous. I've spent all this money on these horses, and they've got the same bloodlines as the ones in the ring, and I can't get past the gate. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, you know, that's where winning... Well, and you know, the um, it's interesting because we've talked to a number of authors, and it's always interesting to find out where the motivations do come from. You know, some of them just, you know, it just comes into their heads, and some of them it's life experience. And I think with horse people, it, it uh, one of the things that we have found over over the years of talking to authors is they tend to be more... Uh, related to life experiences, because I think in the horse world, things things are just a little bit differently. You can't, you don't have to make this stuff up. First of all, um, it's, <laughs> it's there to begin with, uh, but you know, you tend to have to have those life experiences to be able to write successfully about horses, at least in the horse world, for people to buy you and believe you uh, to be real. Uh huh. Well. Um... Actually, I don't know if you remember, I'm trying, I don't remember the year, but several saddlebreds were vandalized in, in uh, Lexington a few years back. I mean, badly, badly hurt. And uh, world champion uh, Wild-Eyed and Wicked uh, died as a result of it. <clears throat> and that bothered me so much. Took me two years to get around to doing anything about it, but it bothered me so much that I had to write a story, uh, almost to purge those, you know, those thoughts from my head, and that was Deadly Heritage. Nine um, Eleven just blew me away, and a couple of years later, I wrote Gambling with the Enemy. Um, the 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 horse. Um, abandonment and and these auctions of and horses being turned out to fend for themselves in the last few years that finally got to me in my most recent horse novel is Rescue Me and it's about that it's about horse 
horse rescue and um, domestic abuse. And those, you know, those are all things that I feel really strongly about. And so this is an, this is the way that I work through them. And that book, I've, I've taken it a step further. I got in touch with all of the horse rescues on Facebook that I could find and offered to donate books for their fundraising. And they all took me up on it because they're... They're always <laughs> looking know, to raise I mean, funds, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's right. And, you know, you feed a horse every day and take care of its feet and take care of its health and all of that stuff. And so I did that, and it was just a wonderful success. I mean, I, I probably gave away 50 books, which is not a lot, but the money each one of them earned individually as a result of auctioning those off to people who didn't mind paying more than the cover price for it because it was for a good cause, that was just so worth it for me. I've been invited to come down to uh, Kentucky to a um, an adoption fair in June. I've been invited to several other things around the state here. And, you know, in that way, it's been very good for me because people who might not have found my book found it through... Um, their dedication to the horse rescue programs. Right. So, And then you went on from Arabians to become sort of a mini person. <laughs> that was an accident. Yeah, and um, and that, that's not referring to your height no, or that's, your size. Yeah, it has nothing to do with your stature. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I, I guarantee you I'm not short anything. So um, the minis kind of became, it kind of got into my, into my uh, crosshairs in the late 80s in New England. I was, I was still out there, and uh, I was kind of fascinated with them, and everybody was talking about how popular they were, and, and I discovered nobody knew anything about them. I mean, there was no information out there about miniature horses. So, being who I am, I got busy and started finding people who did know about it, and we started a small company called Small Horse Press, and we are honestly the only publisher in the United, actually in the world, but I'm just going to say in the United States, that we specifically publish information about miniature horses, books, DVDs, we have some software for record keeping. If it's about miniatures, we have it. We either did it or we've done it for other authors. Mm-hmm. And so it it was more a, a case of there was a need and I filled it. I've never owned a miniature. Um, I think they're really cute and they are so different than they were in 1988, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? In what way? How are they different? Because you're right. Has... Most horse people like us, we, we see minis, we think they're cute, but we don't know a darn thing about them. Right. Well, in in the 80s, they were thick and drafty, and and there was the quarter horse type, and there was the draft type. And they were... How can you call something that's 32 inches tall a draft draft type? (laughs) Because they were fat as could be. (laughs) (laughs) Because they were thick-boned. They were big-boned, yeah. (laughs) And square, and, you know, the quarter horse ones were more refined, but... They were still just kind of stocky little They were ponies. Thelwell ponies. <laughs> they were. Yes, they were. And, of course, everybody thought they were just little Shetlands, and they're not. And uh, But over the years, I mean, if you go to a miniature horse show now, you're going to see teeny, tiny little Arabians. That's been the breeding standard for quite a while now, and they are really exquisite. But they're still teeny, tiny, you know. 
and uh, they're they're very popular. So fat um, as a bowling ball is out. Oh, Jiminy, yes. <laughs> okay, didn't know that. <laughs> we have some minis well, that live around here who are fat as bowling balls, so I didn't know if that was. <laughs> Well, being, they, being they a have... mini and living in bluegrass country is just not a happy existence. No, it's, well, it is for them. <laughs> <laughs> We're not the horse capital of the world here. We're the muzzle capital of the world. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you're in Kentucky? Yeah, we're right in Lexington, actually. We're about four oh. miles from the horse park. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> yeah, fabulous. so we're, we're, we're not too far away. So what have you, what, you know, what, if the one thing that you could say about minis, now you, I understand you haven't owned your own, but you, you obviously know a lot about them. You've published the books and done, done the, the research. If there's one thing about owning a mini that you would say, oh, that's the coolest thing about owning a mini, what would it be? Probably because their temperament is so even, most of them. I mean, a stallion is a stallion, but even the stallions are fairly easy to handle. And I think the appeal of these horses in the beginning was that people who either were afraid of full-size horses or had reached an age where they could no longer handle full-sized horses discovered that miniatures gave them their horse fix without... um, you know, the, the things that go with owning full-size horses, including the cost. So I, I would say probably their their nice, even temperament, which makes them actually almost like pets. I can think of a couple of things from the horse husband's point of view. One is the cost. It's the, you know, they eat a half a flake a day. And then the the other thing is, uh, you know, you don't have that trailer loading problem. If they argue, you just pick them up and throw them in. So <laughs> minivan comes to mind. Minivan. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Although a lot of people do just convert the back of minivans and carry a couple of them around with them. Oh, sure you could. Yeah. Put a, yeah, put a, in, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in the old days, back when I first started with them, um, there were very few miniature horse trailers. You either loaded them onto a regular trailer or you stuck them in the back of the pickup. And and they're very happy to do that. That's what I'm saying is that they are, they they almost don't know their horses. <laughs> right, right. Which, they, which can it, be a problem. Is is it? It seems now. I haven't had a chance to work with lots and lots of minis, but it seems that the modern miniature horse does not have quite the same flight reflex or as developed a sense of claustrophobia that a regular sized horse does you can put them in tiny little spaces where they can't move around a lot or um startle them incredibly and it, they don't seem to have quite the same reaction the, the same prey reaction that that regular sized horses do is that is that what you found well i think so and i think it goes back to that temperament they are extremely trusting so i think it's that temperament uh, that you're you're talking about they they really don't have that uh that skittishness that full-size horses do well, they I... also don't have the ugly personality that some shetlands have right. shetlands shetlands and hackney ponies most ponies don't have nice personalities but miniatures are not ponies right they are little horses um 
So now you actually do some other things too. I wanted to mention before we run out of time, and this, yeah, you know, this goes into my horse husbandhood here. Uh, you have a blog called Food and Flowers Junkie Blog. So t- now, anytime, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about that. Anytime one. <laughs> you talk about food, that raises that flowers. I could care less, but the food part, um, I'm with you on. So what's the what's the motivation behind that blog? <laughs> Well, it's one of those things where sometimes I get really tired of always having to write for everybody else. I mean, other than my novels, but, you know, my freelancing, that's how I earn my living. And so when an editor says, well, I don't like this, or I do want that, or you can only write this many words, or, I, you know, send me one picture or whatever, I, I, it gets to the point where I think, God darn it, I just want to write what I want to write. And that's why I started that blog. I thought when I feel like writing about chocolate chip cookies, I want to sit down and do it. And maybe nobody's reading it, but I've written it. <laughs> that's really all it was. It was not, it, it, it was for me. I think it's the same reason, um, Jennifer, what's the, uh, who, who writes the books about dogs that we like so much? Uh, cats? Cats, yeah. You, um, what was his first name? Do you remember? Uh, Mr. <laughs> I don't remember his first name. <laughs> but uh, he writes books about dogs, and he's an excellent author. And he started a blog about living up on his little farm in, in uh, New England, and it's become one of the most popular blogs out there. And he's a uh-huh. photographer just like you. We didn't mention that. And uh, he just has so much fun posting what he wants. And, that, and he, when he started the blog, he said, I'm doing this because there are no editors. Um, and I can say what I want. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So kind of the Absolutely. same reason, huh? That's right. And, you know, I have another blog called Manuscript Musings. And I approach that one totally different. That's my, that is my official hat. You know, that's... Mm-hmm. I, I write about different things about writing. Um, sometimes I post articles there that I've written other places. Um, it's really a very, it's a very formal blog, and it's not nearly as much fun as the food and flower junkies. Well, and I, I'm 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 going to say that I'm hungry. It's before lunch when we're recording this, and I'm looking at food and flower junkies, and I'm looking at this roast beef. This standing oh, rib, and it's really making me hungry, actually. So You need to try that recipe. <laughs> you need to try fabulous. that, actually. It's a, it's a recipe for no roast roast beef. Um, hey, that yes. sounds like a good idea. Yes. <laughs> it just melts in your mouth. It is unbelievable. It looks good. Well, I'm definitely going to try. You know, I haven't really, for some reason, my mom used to make roast beef almost every Sunday. You know, we had a big Sunday dinner, but yet we, you know, we don't do that. I don't think the kids have taken to cooking the big meals like, like our parents used to cook. And I'm looking at that going, I have to try that, you know? Oh, you will love it. I'm going to have to give that a try. All right. You've convinced me. Well, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find your books? Where can they buy them? That kind of thing. My books are all available on Amazon as both print and Kindles. Um, they are available on Barnes and Noble as digital and a gazillion other ebook retailers. Um, that's quite a big thing right now. Uh, are you on Audible? I'm sorry. Are you on Audible.com? Not yet. I'm working with some people to have the books 
converted into audiobooks. I'm Yay. very excited about okay, that. Okay, good. Because, because of all the people in the world I can think of that probably would pr- prefer to listen to a book, it'd be horse people on the way to horse shows. <laughs> exactly, which is why they listen to our shows. You know, they listen right. when they're cleaning stalls or driving right. or, you know, doing other right. things. So, yeah, yeah that'd now, be great. All my, my books are all available on my own website, Tony Leland. I don't even know my own name, TonyLeland.com. And um, that's the one way that you can have signed copies. So, okay. You know, Amazon, you just get what you get. But um, anybody who orders through the site, if they want it signed, they can just say so. And the shopping cart will indicate that I have to sign some books. Okay. I'm always at uh, Equine Affair in Columbus, Ohio. And those are coming up. Uh, blue, coming up. Blue Ribbon Books, uh, the horse book lady, carries all my books. Oh, cool. And I'm, I'm usually there one day. I think this year it's going to be Friday because I have, I mentor a young adult writing group, and it's on Saturdays, and <laughs> that Saturday happens to be my day. So I will probably be there on Friday uh, this year. So Well, if we're there that, on Friday, we'll make sure to stop by and say hello. Oh, that uh, would be great. But we appreciate you being on, and thank you very much. We'll put the links to all of all of the websites and Facebook and, and your blogs and things in our show notes as well at StableScoop.com for this episode. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Glenn. Well, we're going to come back, and we're going to have our next guest on. And let me tell you, he does some clowning around. And he, he, is, he was funny. He was on our Horses in the Morning show. We're going to play that excerpt from that. As I said, if you heard this before, you're going to want to listen again. So let's take let's first to talk about Equestrian Collections. They have a new offer for everybody at the Horse Radio Network. It, the next time you buy something from Equestrian Collections, you'll get $10 off your next order of $120 or more just by putting the promo code Horse Show, all one word, Horse Show, at checkout, and they'll give you $10 off your next order of $120 or more. And now's the time where you're going to be buying $120 worth of stuff because you're looking at your show clothing and it's kind of tattered and needs replaced. You got spring sheets you're going to need for your horses. Your kids' boots are needing replaced. And Equestrian Collections has over 315 different brands of clothing and supplies and tack. And don't forget helmets. And helmets and everything that you're going to need for you. You, for your horses and for your family and you get that ten dollars off that next order of 120 dollars or more by using horse show all one word at checkout at equestriancollections.com and while we're at it let's mention uncle jimmy's you know uncle jimmy's is one of our favorite brands of horse treats we got to know uncle jimmy years and years do you remember how long ago it was we got to know was it when we had our store uh, no, it wasn't quite that long ago. No, it was during, yeah, it was d- during the, the early 2000s, though. Uncle Jimmy's came into being, and we said, Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls. We have to find out what they are. Just a name made us want to learn more about it, and I think that's why most people have tried their products. And we did, and our horses love Uncle Jimmy's products. Your horses will, too. He has Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls, which is a stall ball treat. Hangs from the ceiling, so they have to work at nibbling at it and eating it. Takes them some time to, to eat that treat. And also, they have... They have the sugar-free version. Yes. That's Beaker's kind. They have yeah. the, That's right. If your horse is a little chubby like ours, then they're going to want the sugar-free version of Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls. Bet you a lot of you didn't know that uh, they had that. Plus, the other product that we absolutely love are Uncle Jimmy's Squeezy Buns. Soft and squishy and yummy. And what can you put inside? You can put... Shh, meds in there. 
That's right. You can put medicines inside of those squeezy buns. They're individually wrapped, they're super fresh, and they're super squishy. So you put the medicine inside, you squish it around, and you feed it to your horse, and you're guaranteed your horse is going to eat it. And you can find all of that at retailers near you, Carrie Uncle Jimmy's, or uncle-jimmy's.com. Well, let's get to clowning around a bit. This is this is Rockin' Robbie Hodgins, and he was coming in to Lexington for a rodeo that is on the, what's the date today, the 25th and 26th at the Kentucky Horse Park, and that's what we were talking about. We did this on the morning show a couple days ago, and we just thought that you would absolutely love to hear this. It was one of our funniest guests ever. So let's let, take a listen to Rockin' Robbie, and we hope you enjoy. He is a rodeo clown. He's been for a, a long time. And he's been doing the rodeo clown uh, thing for years. He's very popular on the rodeo circuit. And guess what, Jamie? He is coming to my hometown this weekend. And that's why we're talking to him. He's actually going to be, they're doing a rodeo. The Southern National Rodeo Championships are being held at the Kentucky Horse Park here in Lexington this weekend on March 25th and 26th. And that's uh, Friday, Saturday night. Friday night, they're going to start at 730 Doors open at 6.30, and Saturday night, they're starting at 6 o'clock. The doors open at 5 o'clock, and it's one of the uh, first big-time rodeos that's coming to the new indoor arena here at the Kentucky Horse Park, and one of the guys helping out is Rockin' Robbie Hodges, uh, well-known rodeo clown, and we're thrilled to have him on the show with us today. Hey, Rockin' Robbie, I have a question for you. How proud yeah, what, what? was Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying hello. How's everybody today? It is We're beautiful here out. in hello <laughs> in beautiful Georgia. I was well, stepping your girl in you, there. Yeah, right off the top, Rock and Rocky. How proud was your mama when you won Clown of the Year in 2005? That had to be the high point of her life. Oh, it was. My mom's really proud. That was the things I used to get whipped for in 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 school. And now I get paid good to do that. So uh, she, I told her, just have faith and let me go. It'll be fine, Mom. And she said, okay. And she was talking to me through the glass. <laughs> I was hey, Robbie, I got to tell you, yeah. my friend, it is so nice to talk to somebody from Georgia. Y'all going to hear my southern accent come on out because this is what happens when you talk to somebody from your home state. It just comes on out, and Rock and Robbie is just bringing the, the Georgia accent. That's right. That's what we do. And, you know, when you come out this weekend here to the horse park, you're going to get some good southern humor because the stuff, we don't make it up. It really happens down here, and we just tell everybody about it. You know how that goes. Now, now you're from Georgia. You're I from am. I'm from, you, I'm from. I'm from Atlanta. 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 You still have an accent. Awesome. Really? Well, what actually, part of Atlanta? Alpharetta has to be no, horse country. No. I'm from Decatur, so I got a little bit Decatur. of uh, a little bit of crunchy in me too. So, no, my dad is the is talks very 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 southern however growing up in the city and being in broadcasting i had to work very hard to not speak southern but when i get you on the line i just want to go ahead and talk southern with you well it's all right you just unload on it honey because i promise you we're gonna talk <laughs> southern <when> I... <laughs> but uh can't nobody understand i was down in uh i just did a, a rodeo last weekend five performances down in uh mercedes texas and it's right on the mexican border, you know, right well, four miles from the border, and uh, you're talking about can't understand them people, but they can understand me, and if you'll talk loud to those people, it's amazing they hear. I don't understand why, <laughs> but 
first thing somebody wants to do, are are you are you'll say a word and you'll put a little bit of that Spanish accent in it. <laughs> I don't know why that's supposed to help, but apparently they can understand <laughs> if you put a little salsa in when you talk. Like, would you like to go to the car? <laughs> you know, instead of, I don't know, but they, they, they had a good time down there, but they couldn't understand much of me. But that's all right. Y'all can. That's good. Decatur, Georgia. My God. <laughs> I bet you're cuter than a bucket of ducks. She is. <laughs> I like it. I like. I just got home. I've been on a on a five week run uh, to the south, and I went down to Arcadia, Florida, the week before that. And uh, I uh, it, those people down there that's about transplanted Yankees. So I get on the airplane. I flew down there from Houston. I'd done a rodeo up in near Dallas and Fort Worth, Glen Rose, Texas, and uh, with a really good friend of mine. He was the announcer there. So I just jumped on the airplane. He threw me on the plane. Well. I get on the plane. Have you ever been on a plane going to the south in the wintertime? It's nothing but old people. Not knocking <laughs> old people. We might as well went in a 1980 Lincoln condominium. with a, <laughs> Our whole time we fly in the left blinker zone, and we're in the fast <laughs> lane of that gum up there in the sky and all other planes are honking the horn. <laughs> Going around you. Yeah. Get out of the way. <laughs> it looked like a Geritol fest. <laughs> well, you it get was, that. It, when you got, so, Robbie, tell us, time. did you grow up wanting to be a clown, or did that just happen naturally? Well, I kind of was. I rode barebacks for actually for 16 years, and uh, rode Bronx, and... Uh, I was in the horse industry and that end of it. The ones that nobody could handle, I got on, I guess, for years. And um, never was much of a bull rider. But I I, uh, I rode barebacks, and I won me three or four championships there. And, and I got about, oh, 30 and decided that I was tired of waking up, cracking and popping every morning. So I said, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to quit. And when I did, I had a guy, a buddy of mine, it was a rodeo stock contractor, said, I told him, I said, you know, I'd like to be a rodeo clown because somebody told me I should be. I'd always kind of put the rocks in the rigging bags, you know, at the rodeos and say, hey, fat boy, you work here? Yeah, well, open the gate. You know, stuff like that's kind of how I hid my fear. <laughs> and he uh, he said, I'll give you a chance. And I wanted to do, you know, two or three rodeos a year, and I ended up doing 20 my first year. And now uh, it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> You know, I was wow. fortunate enough this year to do the national finals rodeo out in Las Vegas as the barrel man um, in my fifth year. And I tell you what, guys, as a kid, you know, everybody knows and all the you know, folks listening are, you know, the barrel racers and stuff like that, and the ropers. When you're practicing in the pen, you're at the 10th round of the NFR is always your scenario, you know. And here we go. This is the 10th round to win the world, you know. And, and just to be there that one time, and I actually got to see what the 10th round was like, it, it was just, it was the greatest honor for a little kid from Georgia. I tell you, it was it was amazing. Um, I'd love to go back and do it again, you know, every year, but I want, I want somebody else, too, to get the opportunity to walk down that tunnel. I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing. 18,000 people a night, you know, the greatest rodeo fans and greatest, and cowboys and cowgirls in the world. And, and, I mean, if you ever get a chance, you have to go to the National Finals Rodeo. You'll become a rodeo fan all over. I did. We are so looking forward to seeing you, you uh, this weekend. We're coming out on Friday night, and, and we're, we're really oh, looking great. forward to seeing you. 
You guys well, do good. so much more. If, if you haven't seen it around a long time, the, the uh, rodeo clowns just don't, you know, they do. Obviously, their main job is to protect their riders, make sure they don't get killed. Right. But they, the other job you guys have now is really you, you entertain the crowd, you know, uh, between events, and you're really doing more entertaining now than you used to in the past. Absolutely. Um, well, we're busier in a set of jumper cables at a trailer park funeral from seven thirty to ten o'clock. I mean, and it's uh, it's uh, I fell off my ball. <laughs> you never been to a trailer park funeral, man? Jumper cables and, and air pumps. My God. <laughs> hey, man, I left my radio on. Can borrow your jumper cables? Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. I thought you were from Decatur. <laughs> <laughs> That's the city now, say Sugar. You out here? We're out here in Polk County. That's right. In fact, are you in Polk the, County? Yes, ma'am, near Cedar Town, Georgia. You know where Cedar Town is? You're up north, what, isn't that? That's west, northwest. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I live in a little okay. town called Cave Spring, Georgia. But uh, my folks live over here in Cedar Town, so I'm hanging out here eating free food for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> don't That's say nothing about that. Uh, Do you really? Yeah. Isn't that excellent? I know. And mom feels like you're not you're not eating enough. I'm gonna fix you something to eat. You know, well, gravy where we live is an after dinner drink. So I'll uh, be, uh, I weigh 225 pounds when I get out of here, and I'm about 70 right now. But uh, how do you get off on food? What is the matter with you people? What are y'all doing? What are we talking about? Squirrel, why aren't you on tour with Larry the Cable Guy? Is he like a good friend of yours? Yes, actually, I spent New Year's with Dan Whitney, Larry the Cable Guy, the other uh, two. I say the other day, if my girlfriend's listening right now, she lives in San Diego, she'll be laughing because anything in the South the other day can be now to 10 years ago. You know that. So the other day, the other day yeah. I spent New Year's with Larry the Cable Guy, and what a joy it was. It was so funny. They had uh, all the people from uh, Pixar, Disney Pixar there, and we ate Sonny's Barbecue catered the New Year's party, and we ate chips and salsa out of a bag and out of the bowl, I mean, out of the glass, you know, the the jar. It wasn't none of this fancy, fancy stuff, and I had to help him get his margarita machine going. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a Larry the Cable Guy party right there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it's perfect, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's a super good guy, and he's brought, you know, comedy to a different level, and uh, I only try to steal his really good stuff from him. (laughs) <laughs> you know what we're using. <laughs> so you know what, if, though? <laughs> if, if we're I was stealing just going to say, you've been stealing twice. That's right. Actually, he'll use some of my stuff, too. See, we've, we've lost really? some good comedy stuff. Yeah, he'll use, like, well, we can't use Michael Jackson anymore. We can't use the Crocodile Hunter anymore. Good Lord, all these people are dying off, and it's messing up our whole deal. You know, so we have to kind of... yeah. The world's always changing, you know. They don't think about us, but uh, anyhow, they uh, yeah. But he'll use some stuff, and I'll use some of his stuff every once in a while. I might have to throw one in of his. I don't like to use other people's comedy because, you know, I like to think of my own, and then it, it works. It's sort of like selling a painting. You know, you're you're doing a painting every Friday and Saturday night, and you know you want people to buy your work, and it's so. You know, it, it, it's such a – that's the 80-point ride I can't make anymore because I don't ride barebacks anymore is is hearing these people laugh and cheer and, and stopping what they're doing, you know, to, to hear something new that I've come up with or a little skit or, or anything, you know, just to make 
um, you know, my gauge and my judge of this is how the Cowboys are laughing. If I'm up there, if I'm out there doing a skit or if I'm doing a show and I see the Cowboys have stopped what they're doing, you know, to watch it, then I know that it's been a successful, you know, a deal. And, and or some of them will come up and say, well, we see this clown all the time. He does the same stuff we like when you do something different. You know, and, and to me, that's the 80-point ride that I can't make anymore in the back riding, you know, to, to get those guys and – and then, or and and then my saves too, you know, in in the barrel and stuff. I love to work the barrel. I am a barrel man. I'm not just a rodeo clown. I really, really, you know, take pride in working the barrel, and that's what got me to the national finals this year was my barrel work, you know, and uh, the protection, and and then the guys knowing that you know they'll be safe, and and you know they'll come up and say, man, we appreciate it. I was fixing to get smoked out there, and you know, you brought your barrel up or, you know, that, that's kind of what, I mean, I don't just work for that, but it's, it's a good pat on the bat when, when those guys are, you know, when they're appreciative, if you, if you make a save and get knocked down and other bullfighters, my main job is to protect those two bullfighters, you know, and make sure as a barrel man to make sure, cause when they get knocked over, ain't nobody to come get them, but me, you know, and right. I, and I try to do that. And I really take pride in that. Now that was about all the well, seriousness I'm going to give you. So is that I know, I'm going to say, I was going to say that that's that's what people forget about the rodeo clown job is actually it's inherently incredibly dangerous and you guys are risking your lives yeah. to protect to protect others the entire time and I know you sit here and you make light of it but I, I you know a round of applause for you and what you do because you save you save guys every single night yeah, well, we try to. You know, we do the best we can. Rodeo is very dangerous. I was, you know, I was watching something today about dangerous, and I was, for some reason, I was on the news this morning. They were talking about doing away with the kickoff return of football. What? <laughs> yeah, it said something about we're going to change the rules. I didn't get to hear the whole thing, but, you know, that's, it's dangerous. It's an inherent risk that you take. It's like bull riding. What are they going to do now? No more bull riding. No more horns on bulls, you know. That's the <laughs> excitement. That's what people go, you know, rodeos are a lot like stock car racing. Nobody wants to see a really bad wreck, but you don't want to be at the popcorn stand if it happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want to miss it if it does. Nobody yeah. ever wants to see that. But, you know, and that's the inherent risk. And I'm thinking the world's changing. People, you know, everything is safety safety which i mean there is a way to be safe and do what we do but it's still a dangerous sport it's that's why we do it i have small man's disease apparently because i love the danger element i love the excitement of it you know and yeah there's a chance every night you may not get to walk out of that arena you know but there's also 50 other guys or 40 other guys that are taking the same chance that you are you know and you know and that's what we've chose to do and but that just bothered me. I thought, now why would they take? Well, it's dangerous. They were saying something about kickoff returns. Well, you know what, I know uh, Robbie? Though when you think about it, we're a country also that has gone from boxing to cage fighting. I mean, you know, yeah. Where, where does cage that fight fit to in me there? used to be at Max's <laughs> Supper Club at two thirty in the morning in Mississippi over because Max used to sing behind the cage. You know, that was cage <laughs> fighting for us. <laughs> I'm looking at my mom's got two big old giant parakeets over here in the cage. They saying, "Yeah, we'll start on that cage fighting crap. We don't want to hear it. We want boxing." Yeah, I know. I totally just agree with the you. other one. And, and Larry the Cable Guy, getting back to him a little bit, he has this new show. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it on the History Channel, and it's pretty oh, good. About, yeah, I heard yeah, about tra- that where he goes and and does cool stuff and and all over America. 
I, I need to call him, get him in the clown barrel. He was. <laughs> he was. That was one of the segments last week. Um, oh, was it really? Yeah. It's actually at a rodeo, and he did the clown thing. Uh, so he was out there doing your job there for a minute, but I don't think That's he really awesome. wanted to stay doing that job. He really didn't like it a whole lot. <laughs> you know, it takes a different kind. It takes a different kind to uh, to do what we do, you know. But my, like I said, you know, for the first two hours or hour and forty five minutes of the rodeo before that bull riding starts, I'm a, you know, I'm I'm the entertainment. I make sure. And this year at, at Kentucky, to get back to that this this week at the horse park, we've got a great great rodeo announcer, Roger Mooney. He's a national finals rodeo announcer. So um, I mean, and he's uh, been nominated he's for top, announcer right? of the year. Yeah, he's a top six. Two, you know, they call it. They don't used to call it top five. Now they've added one. But he's he's a top fiver, and he is amazing to hear. And he and I he lives up in LJ, Georgia. All and right. He and I, we yeah we go at it, and it is so <laughs> much fun when Roger is announcing. I mean, you have to stay on your toes because he'll throw the jokes at you, you know, and you really have uh-huh. to you have to pay attention to what's going on because Roger will throw a joke at you, and then you'll have to you know respond and. It's a good workout when you're with Roger, and he is such an amazing. He's done the uh, actually, he's done the Great Lakes Circuit Finals for the last ten or twelve years over in Louisville at the at the um, Freedom Hall, and um, he got me in there about five years ago, and I've done it the last five years together. And when we do, people just stop rodeoing and just enjoy hearing us go at it, you know. And that's what's so much fun is to is to hear him. He is a phenom on the microphone. He'll be proud of me that I learned that word if he's listening. <laughs> but uh, he probably ain't listening. He sleeps all day. He's a vampire. But, uh, I mean, when you come assume, out this weekend. I assume hmm? we'll be doing all, like, six, all six of the different things or six or seven different things they do at normal rodeos will be this weekend. Do you know? Exactly. Yep. You'll have uh, Cowboys are vying for a national champ or the world championship. You know, this is a stop on the way to the national finals rodeo. You know, they they go to rodeos all over the country, and then the top fifteen money winners and at the end of the year go to uh, to Las Vegas. You know, for the finals. So um, this rodeo, their dollars count just like any of them from Cheyenne to anywhere, and uh, you'll see a lot. And the Mark Johnson Universal Rodeo is amazing. His animals are great. They've been featured at the at the national finals, he actually has a, a buckskin horse. They were eighty-seven on about two years ago at the national finals. So uh, wow. Captain Buck will be there, and and all these good horses he's got, and he's got a bunch of bulls that went to the national finals. So uh, I mean, you're going to see the same bulls and stuff that you see on ESPN. You're going to get to see, uh, you know, you're going to get to see live rodeo action up close. You know, it, it's a lot like stock car racing. Like I said, if you if you you know people say I don't want to watch that, it's just going around in a circle, and then you'll take them to a race or even a rodeo, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how these bulls, are, how, you know, athletic they are and how high they jump in the air and these little guys that are riding them. It's amazing. You know, to see it live sitting on a, you know, in a good seat, you, it'll make a fan out of you. And that's what's so great about, you know, with, with the rodeo and stuff is the up-closeness. Up you know, and, and, and here's something else. For the money that you spend, you're going to get two and a half hours of entertainment. You're not going to be... You know, at a concert, you give $100 for a ticket, which is three times as much as these tickets are, and you might get the entertainer for an hour, you know, at the most, and you got warm-up and, you know, but here you're going to get your total value for the money. I think that's – rodeo to me is the best value in in the entertainment business because of the price 
and how much entertainment you get, you know, and then there's enough breaks to get you to go get some popcorn and come back. We don't, you know, we don't want you to miss anything. And that's, to me, that's the best part and that's the best sell of rodeo is its entertainment value for the price. You know, two and a half hours of good family entertainment. You know, there's not going to be any, we're not going to bite the heads off any doves. Might throw a cowboy in the air, but we're not, you know, we're not going to hurt him. <laughs> you know, you won't have well, to Robbie, I gotta say too, If you haven't been up here yet, you're going to be performing in a brand new stadium that was just put up last year. That's, it, it is a beautiful stadium. It's really right. nice. I assume that's what I hear. It. Yeah, I assume yeah, they're having it in the new indoor arena, right? They're doing it in the new oh, stadium, yeah. I would assume. Yeah, in the, new, in the new stadium. It sure is in the new big covered, covered uh, arena, and it's, uh, I mean, there won't be a bad seat. It's a brand-new facility. Come out and support it. That's the main thing. You know, folks in Louisville, come out and support it. We'll tell you the scores on the basketball game. You know, we're going to holler that out every once in a while. Don't worry. Come out and get, you know, get your money's worth. <laughs> well, basketball. i got to say, too, I two other things, and then we'll let you go. And I so appreciate you oh, joining us. Oh, heck no. They tell me, no, we're going to be here till noon. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> um, two other things. One is uh, – What's, we, we were invited, and we're going down in May, to Graceland right. to do the morning show live at Graceland uh, to talk about the horses that are still there and all that stuff. And are you serious? I hear about what's this thing I hear about you singing Elvis Presley songs? Yeah, I'm a little bit of a. That is one of the most useless traits that I have, but I'm a an Elvis impersonator too when I'm not uh, when I don't have bronchitis. And uh, it was so funny the other day. I was in in, in uh, Mercedes, and we were doing sound check, and my sound guy just busted out uh, the trilogy on the uh, you know the karaoke version of it, and I sang it, and I turned around. There's about 300 people standing there. It was so funny. <laughs> Nobody had any idea. I don't let that get out. Thank God it's not going to get out. You know, it's just going over the internet right now, viral. So uh, that's that's really nice. But. Uh, <laughs> Sing. Go yeah, ahead. But, do it. Let's hear it. Oh, no. Uh, you don't want me to do that this morning, oh, I promise you. No, no, no. Well, you'll have to wait for the rodeo to do that. I may bust out some Elvis for Roger at the rodeo. You come right, to the rodeo, I'll, I'll sing it for you. I'll be the one standing up screaming, sing Elvis, okay? So you'll know. That, that would be you. All right. If you stand up and scream, okay. sing Elvis, I'll stand up and sing it. How about that? All right. There we you go. Do. That's a hey, deal. Um, so That's y'all are going deal. to Graceland. Have you ever been to Graceland before? I have it's not. Amazing. No. Are you serious? <laughs> You're going to like it. No, I have not Elvis. been to Graceland, actually. And they have invited <laughs> us to come down. We're going to be heading down there to actually do the show from there one morning. And they want to get the word out that Elvis was a horse person and that there's. Oh, absolutely he was. Of, yeah. yeah. Something interesting about that when, on the horse deal, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but you know, two of those horses are originals that he had there, or one of them was still, I'm sure they're about gone by now, but. Very old. And what they did, they implanted, um, if you, I don't know if you know this or not, but they implanted lenses over those horses' eyes to protect them like a contact lens from UV from so many photos. No because way. Is that right? Yep. When you go to Elvis, when you go to Graceland, um, that when you go like in the buildings and stuff to see all of Elvis's stuff, you can't take uh, flash pictures. They won't allow you to take flash pictures. Well, they were worried so many flashes on these animals that it would blind them. So they put um, they put protective, they implanted protective lenses on the horses. Now I don't know if these are still the same ones. I haven't been there in about ten years, and these old horses, you know, they got to be getting old. But um, 
if they're even still with us. But, uh, yeah, Elvis has a big black horse out there, and he had an old Palomino out there that was so neat. Well, apparently, I think the Palomino died, but they got another Palomino. Apparently, there hasn't been, like, one day since he died that there hasn't been a Palomino on, on, on Graceland. Um, That's They've awesome. kept it that way. Yeah, they've kept it that way so that uh, – well, we're looking forward to going out. That'll be a lot of fun. We're running out of time think, here. Uh, oh, Robbie, that's fine. It, just but, run out of time talking about Elvis. Okay. No, I'm just well, kidding. Hey, guys, you I'll guys tell you what Jamie out. really wants to know. I'll tell you what Jamie really wants to know, and I don't even think we have time for an answer, is how a Georgia boy that, uh, you know, that basically makes his life in a barrel uh, ends yeah. up with a girlfriend from California? How does that happen? Southern yeah, Cal? out at the rodeo. San Diego, <laughs> baby. When you see me, you'll see with my muscled up. It's my physique and good looks. I'm six two oh, on no. E-Harmony, see. So I, can <laughs> I thought maybe it was the, I thought maybe it was the uh, the coveralls that are about twelve times too large. She, I thought maybe she got into that baggy look. She may, yeah, yeah. Oh, like a rapper died, and I have my pants at half mast. Yeah, you're right. No, I don't wear those anymore. I'm sort of the non traditional type, but uh, no, she. Um, <laughs> She lives out there, and I met her at the Poway, her first rodeo she ever went to, um, and I've earned her since. She's been to Louisville, the national finals, and this summer she's going to get a dose of real rodeo out when it's 120 degrees. So uh, I hope she'll hang in there. I believe she will. She's pretty tough. But you guys come out. <laughs> All right. Weekend. Well, thank you. Well, we're back, and we ho- it was funny to listen to again. My face hurts. <laughs> I, I know. We had some great shows this week. If you missed uh, the, some of the morning shows, take a, you can go back and take a listen to all of them at horsesinthemorning.com. But uh, the rest of that show that we had uh, Rock and Robbie on was hilarious, too. We talked about the pronunciation of hoof. And apparently I say hoof, and apparently I'm incorrect. Jamie, my co-host, was really upset that Jennifer and I say hoof when she says hoof. Hoof. And, uh, well, Sorry, it's hoof. that caused more controversy than probably any other topic we've had on the morning show. So you want to take a re- listen to the rest of that episode as well. You can find them all at horsesinthemorning.com. Uh, you can also listen to, please do listen to the eventing radio show is live from Southern Pines this weekend, Southern Pines, uh, North Carolina. And it's a big, uh, event down there. It's a three day event. And Chris is going to be coming to you live. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. That's the 25th, 26th, and 27th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time over at eventingradio.com. You want to take a listen to that, too. Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you, Jennifer, for filling in. Thanks thanks for being our sponsor, Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha, Uncle Jimmy's, and Equestrian Collection. That's right. And we'll be back again next week. Helena will be back to cause all kinds of trouble, I'm sure. Yeah. We'll see you next week. <laughs>